Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for listening to Creative Control, a listener-funded podcast. If you would like to help and support Creative Control and keep this podcast going, please visit patreon.com slash creative control and make a monthly flexible donation today. Eve Jarvis is a gifted multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and singer currently based in Montreal, Quebec. Originally from Calgary, Alberta, Jarvis has performed under different names, most notably Un Blonde, but recently began recording under at least two of his family names. His latest album is a hauntingly beautiful one called The Same But By Different Means, which was released by both Anti and Flemish Eye Records in the spring of 2019. Shortly after its release, and a few hours before he played the annual Guelph Cultural Gathering Kazoo Fest, Eve and I had a good talk about his artistic trajectory, his musical impulses and influences, the all-ages music scene in Calgary and life on the road, his new album and future plans, and much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 488th episode of Creative Control, featuring the talented Eve Jarvis with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Great. I'm, thank you so much, Vish. I, I am wonderful. <laughs> How are it's you? Good. I'm I'm pretty well. Yeah, I'm pretty well. You just got in from into Guelph from somewhere. Toronto. Toronto. Okay, yeah. So quick bad. drive, but delayed as usual. Delayed. I've been. Uh, I'm. I've played five, six shows. So that means I've said I've had to apologize for being late six times. Are you often late? No, never. Never in real life. No. 
but you're late for shows and music related yeah all of this meetings. um driving from town to town nonsense right makes one late are you on tour right now yeah, I, I just did the first half of a tour with Aldous Harding, or not really half, more of a third. Uh-huh. And uh, I just left to do these shows, Toronto and Guelph, and now I'm joining uh, that tour again for Chicago. Chicago, yeah. okay, okay. So you have this reputation for for some of us as being a, a, like a home rock kind of musician. You do mm-hmm. some of your stuff at home. Yeah, everything. Everything you do yeah. is kind of at home. Some would think homebody. Perhaps yeah, yeah, doesn't absolutely. want to be in a studio. Or do you like touring? Do you like being out on the road in front of not people? Not at all. No, it's like um, <laughs> not at all. Not at all conducive to my lifestyle. It could be turned into something much more positive if I had like a traveling studio. But otherwise, it's just not. Uh, that's the that's the real drawback. You need to be w- recording. Yeah, exactly. To feel like you're getting something accomplished. Right. You need a tangible thing. Definitely. Yeah. I don't even. It's not even enough to write a song or to perform. Uh, it really doesn't do there's lots of energy um, siphoned from those two avenues but not uh, no fulfillment really what do you have at home Um, just when you talk about portable recording situations Mm -hmm. what are you using at home that you is there I guess what I'm ultimately getting at with this line of questioning is like could you not do any recording on the road or is there not enough time or do you not have the right equipment what is it I could Squeeze it in, depending on the vehicle that I'm in. Mm. Um, it's really just a question of the vehicle. Right now we're in like a small Honda. So okay. Okay. there is no, that's really the issue. Because I could record on anything and I wouldn't, you know, anything that would that would be readily available to document yeah. in any at any given moment, I would be comfortable using. So, so any sort of handheld or computer or anything. Oh, so it's not specific to your gear necessarily. No, no, that's not the, that's not the, uh, the issue. Are you an analog recording person or are you a digital recording person? I am a, uh, I do prefer analog for many reasons, Mm -hmm. but uh, like I said, I'm just happy. If the document sounds like what, you know, it's like if I'm writing something, uh, as long as what comes out is what, uh, what I thought, it doesn't matter what uh, medium I'm using. Okay. So it's like a pen or a pencil or a marker, so to speak, or what kind of paper. It doesn't doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter to you. Okay. That's fascinating. So you could, it's just time. Like the road is just so time consuming, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, much more nuts than I thought. Like every <laughs> stop, every stop adds an, a half hour. Like right. it's crazy. You just wouldn't, it's just, it doesn't seem, um, it doesn't add up. It's, it's <laughs> All tough. the time lost getting gasoline, right? stopping at a rest stop. Yeah. You can't handle it. No, I mean. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a time suck. Right. Right. Yeah. And okay. it's just difficult to manage well how long have you been touring this is my third tour okay and uh i am doing so far only really i've only visited cities where i have been in the past before a couple of times okay but now we're going into the west coast which is a lot of uncharted waters right Hmm. and canada primarily no it's not even no no not much just these actually okay the rest are all uh, american dates well, I mean, it's that's fascinating to hear. I've, I've not, very few people come on the show and say, you know, I just don't like touring at all. Really? Very few. I mean, maybe yeah. they, because I think that's an admission of defeat because right. touring is just so unnaturally grueling. Like right. it's such an unnatural thing in a weird way to to make yourself do. Yeah. And it's so taxing on your mental and physical state that I think people don't acknowledge it because they don't want it to get to them. Right. 
So they put it aside. They kind of compartmentalize it. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's just a thing. It's part of this. Oh, I'm never compartmentalizing. <laughs> totally open book. But you have do you have to tour? Uh, yeah, I think now I have to right now because I've never done it really. Like I've only done like a week tours mm-hmm. before. I've never been working with a label before. Um, my album just came out. I think I'm obligated to do these dates. Yeah, so you probably, <laughs> probably show my face a bit. Probably but. are. That's probably fair to say. So what what happened exactly to uh, get from your perspective? Mm. I know roughly what happened mm. uh, in terms of how you went from someone who did stuff on your own to suddenly now having a, a label support, uh, two labels supporting you in Canada and uh, a elsewhere around yeah, the world yeah i think it's just i mean i don't know if it's just america and canada or if it's like canada and then america and everywhere else but something like that you've got you're on flemish eye in canada right. right and then you're on anti presumably in america and, and elsewhere right so yeah sorry your perspective on your trajectory because you went from you've you seem like you've stuck true to your roots as a home recording person um i feel like your relationship to songs and song structures is fascinating. I want to get into that in a little bit. But you've also experienced the thing where like a label or uh, various uh, critics critics and websites have, you know, they believe in you. They oh. they like what you're doing. They want to write about it. They want to promote it. They want to help you, work with you. What happened there exactly? How do you, what's your perspective on how, how you went from your own thing to now you're, you know, being celebrated and you've got collaborators? Well, it's so funny to... Um I was just thinking now about how I was talking about um, I was talking about this with my manager, who's a great friend of mine, who I've, who I've known for years, who was the first person who brought me to play a show in Montreal when I was still living in Alberta. I was just talking about how it's just funny how we have this as artists, we have such a disdain for the industry. Just naturally, it's like traditional. You just yeah, it's 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 so separate and it's just it's gross, and so we uh, disregard it in the same way that you say we compartmentalize touring or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have found that a lot of the friendships that I've made. 10 years ago when I was just starting out in Calgary are the, 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 the seeds of this fruit now where I'm able to have platforms that are supporting my output. Right. It's really relationships that I've had for like 10 years. So, right, right. Uh, it, uh, but, it, but there was kind of an overnight thing where I played this festival in Ottawa called Megaphono and that's when I got to meet um, the people at Anti. Was that so last that, year? That was last year, I think. Yeah. I was at that one. And that, was, that, was, that happened like overnight where right. I met them for the first time and they were interested right away. There's a woman there named uh, Amber. Right. Who's no longer with them, but, uh, but I've, but I've since met a lot of the other people. Right. There. Yeah, right. Great. So that's, a, that's interesting. You actually had a good experience from one of these sort of conference music festivals. Yeah. Events. And let me, let me, uh, I hope that takes away some of the grime that, that the, the filth on <laughs> like uh, the idea of an industry yeah, festival yeah, yeah, because yeah. like for me I never wanted to do it and, I, and even it's funny because that festival in particular I was so not looking forward to it well they did but, that festival in particular <laughs> they make a real effort to bring the people like from Anti right. together with other labels and other it's a it's a social gathering of right. music industry people as well as bands playing right and I'm the same as you I'm a bit skittish about those things because right. I just want to go watch shows or go talk to people and I don't want it to have this sort of weird pressure right but it seems to be panning out, this particular one. Yeah, and you know what's funny, too? That show, I was opening for Lido Pimienta, who's also signed to Anti now. That's right. So, um, it, you know, it's... it's uh, I, I hesitate to say it, but, if you, but, I'm, but I guess I'm the right person to say it because I'm an artist. Yeah. But um, one shouldn't be wary of the industry. It's just people, and it's just relationships. Right, it seemed like this monster right. 
this this entity that wasn't comprised of people and you've discovered there's a, a human touch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know you as, uh, or we all, I think, know you as being based in Montreal. Right. But you just referenced uh, Calgary. Is that where you're from? Well, I consider myself from Montreal, but I spent 50% of my childhood in both of the those places. Oh, okay. Two very formative cities for me. So Montreal's sort of cultural cachet is fairly well known. Um, Calgary, it is to some of us, right. you know, known as this hotbed of, of cool artists and culture. Your label that we referenced, Flemish Eyes, based in Calgary. Right. Great festival there, Sled Island, Chad Van Galen. Like there's like a, the braids. There's like a like right. good rich history of stuff that comes from Calgary. Did you feel like you, and you say it was formative. So it was obviously meaningful for you to be in Calgary. You felt like you had platforms, uh, places to express yourself. For sure. Oh, and it was, it, it's, it's kind of absurd to think about now because I didn't even realize how much, if you're a, uh, somebody who's a promoter or you're just booking shows, even to not even to use such a, title yeah it's difficult to get people on board with all ages things and when i was 14 the all ages was so uh vibrant and dense like there was four or five all ages venues in calgary within blocks of each other that you could play on any given weekend oh that's cool and um i mean not that it was just like uh open mic but it was like you know you could you, you the platform was totally available to you if you're making music um, and do you know? Do you know why that would be? Because that's not normal. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, it's really just these particular people mm. who had this community interest at that particular time. Because right. I, I think that it's still like that. But there's not. But a lot of these places that I'm talking about closed down, like a uh, Comrade Sound, local library, uh, Emedia, uh, just to name a few. The area, Tubby Dog is one that I know is still going because I was just there last summer. Yeah, a great establishment. So they're not going anywhere. I don't think. Um, but a lot of these places uh, are no more because it's just hard to get people on board with shows that aren't making all that bar money. So wait, <laughs> what people need to be on board with it? The the owners or I don't know. I can't even speak for it. Yeah, I, 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 for I, it. I know yeah. that these things seem to run its course because mm-hmm. uh, there's something about our our cultural realm mm-hmm. that can lead to burnout right more quickly than maybe others because uh, it's really driven by passion. And if you're you face enough obstacles, the passion isn't enough, and sure. I think you're just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. So is that maybe what's going on? Sure, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly it, because the, the people who put all their energy into into, into making these spaces, eventually yeah. the, 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 the bills and the yeah. the, the license uh, that you might need. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, all the paperwork, paperwork and bureaucracy yeah. that you got to deal with. And, and Calgary is, uh, is there a lot of bureaucracy in Calgary? Well, I know that I couldn't get into a bar, period, when I was there and I left as soon as I was 18 because of that. Huh. And now I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they just, cause this was a thing in the eighties or nineties where if you were underage, you could just get the X on the hand and perform at the bar yeah, and leave. Straight edge X, yeah. That wasn't a thing for me when I was there at all. And that was a, that was a big factor in my decision to leave right away when I turned 18. Oh, but now I think you can get the X. So, okay. Uh, it seems to have in that sense, but I guess that's not really the, the, the line that we're talking about. I, I, I'm not really sure what it's like to run a venue in Calgary. No, no, yeah. I, I, you have living been, in Calgary is expensive, period, so. It's, it's an expensive city to yeah, live in? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when was the, so when did you leave Calgary? If You say you s- split your time? No, I was there for a solid nine years and in Quebec for a solid nine years before that. And now you're just in Montreal. Now I'm just in Montreal, but I'm in Toronto a lot. And um, I, left, I left Calgary in 2014, as okay. soon as I graduated okay. high school. So uh, I want to talk about your interest in music and, and maybe how that, 
like your earliest influences and interest in music and how any of that has informed what you're doing now, which I alluded to this earlier, like what you're doing is, uh, it's, it's resonating with people, but it's very unique for some, it would be very challenging, I would think. Um, and you have a very interesting relationship with song structures. And I just want to trace that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Do you have a sense of when you, when you first got into music and what it was that, 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 you know, you caught your attention? Yeah. Well, I've, I've always been playing my whole life and I've always been, um, an incredibly rushed learner. Like I don't give myself the, you rush yourself. I rush myself to learn things. My son is like that. Yeah. Or he claims he knows how to do something. If I was trying to teach him an A chord the other day on the guitar yeah. and he barely got at it <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I got it. I figured it out. I know yeah. how to play guitar now. So that's, it feels like a rushing. I don't, right. I don't get it. But is that what you were like? Sure. But I wouldn't, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for your son's situation, but I wouldn't like kid myself if, oh. if I wasn't getting the results I wanted. Right. I'm not sure if the result he wants is. Uh, he's just thinks he, <laughs> he wants to be able to say that right. he knows how to do something before he can even do it. Right. That's a, it's like a know-it-all thing. No, nothing know-it-all. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. It would, it, it, for me, it was, it's more of a, like a bulldozing. Bulldozing through the theory to get to the result without the theory, without the time sure. invested. That sounds just like my son. Right. Like, I want to teach you how to do a thing. No, no, no. I know how to do it. Right. It'll all I can. I'll figure out. it out. It's yeah. almost like he's willing himself to make himself learn or something. Right. Is that what you did or do? Yeah. I just always felt like um, theory was not my uh, root. Theory and like no sense was ever my root. And while I did it for years and studied all sorts of different theory for years, the application and the role that it plays in my work today is very slim. And that's a result of my impulsivity. So, so but, but what, what do you remember? Do you have any sense memory of what you first heard that wasn't yours? You say you were always playing, right? but there must've been something that prompted you. Was it just that there was a piano or a guitar or an instrument kick, kicking around and you picked it up? Or did you hear something or see something on TV and think, oh, that's interesting. Do you remember this? Well, my parents kind of funneled me into music for sure. I don't think I had any other, I was doing sports and all this, anything else that uh, a child would be doing. Like I guess, those are curricular. The, those are your own interests. Like your friends were playing sports. So you wanted to play sports kind of thing. I was just really doing whatever I was like, horse, I, I feel like as a child, I was like a horse with blinders on. Like I was really just doing whatever, whatever was happening. I was just, yeah, doing, of course. I was so just trying to be trying to go with the flow yeah. as a kid. I was yeah. very like agreeable as a child. Right. So, but music was the thing that my parents, I mean, my first show, I must've been three months old in Quebec. And then beyond there, it would just be uh, concerts and uh, music playing all the time. So, wait a minute. so that's, that's where the, that's where the, that's where it sort of comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Three months old. What, what show were you at at three months old? I don't know what show, but I'm, I think it's the Festival d'été in Quebec city. Oh, the big one. Yeah. The huge one where like yeah. I saw Aerosmith there <laughs> in like 2012 or something. Uh, I could be wrong, but something around there. Like in the field? Like the one that's like takes the over the Saint city? Yeah, 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 right, right. I mean, I know that I was at a show in Quebec at three months old. I don't know what show. Okay, but, but so uh, that doesn't, you don't remember this. I don't remember this. No, that's not like a, an experience for me. Okay. But I'm just, I just don't, like I say, a horse with blinders. I don't, learning how to play music was as crucial on the docket of my development as language. Was for sure, and that's just something that developing you side by side feel like was passed down by your parents exposing you to music. Sure, yeah, they're not artists themselves. They don't play music. No, hmm. that's a thing we do. Is you don't have kids, do you? I don't know. That's a thing you do as a, a parent is you want them to be. Uh, unfortunately, it's an ego thing, but you want them to be. You know, you you start to recognize that they're a version of you, right? And you want to build the best version of you possible <laughs> with this 
this these children and i think that's just a thing that happens because i sometimes will stop and like why am i asking my son to take piano lessons well i never <laughs> had piano lessons you know right. i regret that so or so now he's taking piano lessons and he knows more about pianos than i do and i'm right. a music person right so that's He's better than my son is better than me. Even I, I'm <laughs> jealous of my son. Did your parents ever? They were always supportive of your musical pursuits. Oh sure, except for a little window in my uh, high school years, little little two year window where they were not happy about anything that I was doing. Towards the end of high school. Yes, because they wanted you to what go to school or something. They wanted me to have a foundation that was strong enough for me to do post-secondary, which was not in my plans. You didn't want to go to university or college or anything like not that? Not at all, no. Okay. But just going with whatever was presented to me, I'd always just anticipated that that's what I was going to do. But when I had, um, when I, at that point I was at, at 16, at 17, I was such a, I felt so grounded in who I was. I was, that was not my trajectory anymore. So this are you, are you, a lot of tension. Are you someone who kind of grapples with your, your free will on some level? Like, are you... Like you say, you, you just did whatever was around you. And right. like you kind of immersed yourself in this. But at some point in the, towards the end of high school, your parents were trying to do that, make you do a thing, right. and you resisted. Yeah, absolutely. And this actually, this grounding that I'm referring to, this like a sense of self came about really directly, uh, came really directly out of recording, self-recording. When did you start doing that? 13. I got a four track from uh, my friend Chris Dadge. My dearest friend, one of the one of the earliest uh, seeds of my creative development. Chris Dadge has been on the show. Oh, word! Yes. Wow. Yes. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. He was then. on the show this past summer. He, uh, Bug Incision is that one of yeah. the things? What is Bug Incision again? Bug Incision is an is a improv night that uh, Dadge was doing. I don't know weekly or monthly when I was there. And uh, it was at uh, Weeds Cafe. I think it's no longer there. Yeah. I think it's now maybe at Highline Brewery or something else. He's, or maybe a few different venues. But uh, he just hosts this free improv uh, night where he'll curate the, the players and whatnot. So he's a good friend of yours. Great friend. Really like um, the first drummer I collaborated with, the first person who recorded me, the person who taught me how to record myself, the person who introduced me to the people that I'm talking about in the all ages yeah, 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 yeah. scene. Uh, yeah, really a one of the biggest cornerstones in my whole uh, trajectory. There seems to be some kinship in your approach to music, maybe not the sound of it, but with some of the stuff Chris is involved in. And I mentioned Chad Van Galen earlier. Right. And maybe what you're doing as well. Do you see that? Do you see a connection between? Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah. Chad Van Galen what is what a, what a huge inspiration he was for me and still is. Mm. And we actually just did that tour. One of the only tours I've ever done was with Van Galen and Dad was on drums. Right. And uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's totally full circle these 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 relationships that come about naturally that grow and develop into um, something more um, or at least it just moves into different uh, arenas you know now we can collaborate in different less casual ways okay mm. so you get a four track from Chris Dadge and then what do you have you had any training at this point for music like have you done any lessons of any kind sure yeah I had done guitar and piano lessons in um, like through the RCMP or not RCMP, RCM Royal Conservatory of Music. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't the cops no. teaching you how to play. No. Okay. RCM uh, piano and then like jazz guitar, basically blues guitar. So you yeah. you took formal lessons? Yeah. For how long? I would say from five to fourteen. So nine years of formal lessons. I presume theory must have been introduced in this mix. Sure. Yeah. 
But you rejected it? I never, I would always, and I did the same thing in school, is I would, I would uh, take it in, but I would not apply it to how um, my work was coming out. Like, I wouldn't apply it to my output at all. I'll take in the theory that you're feeding me, and I'll get the result that you're trying to um, put me on the course to, but without applying the theory. Now, why is that? What does that say about you? Um, stubborn, uh, no patience. Um, <laughs> But yeah. it's again another external, like if you look at theory itself as this external force, you're resisting the external force. Sure, yeah. You're resisting the road traveled to do something different. Right, yeah. I rarely I rarely do things that the way that I'm told to do them, but the result I don't think you can argue with <laughs> across the board. Right, you yeah. say this with all modesty. Yeah, no, I don't mean to... Um, say that I'm doing anything better than anybody and I don't just I'm not just talking creatively yeah but um it is what it is okay so so I mentioned Chad I mentioned Chad is a more of a uh, I would say in, a, in his own way uh he's a weirdo musician but he's got a more conventional sense of pop song structure mm-hmm. uh by and large in some ways than w- what it is you do how, how would you describe if you had to if you were in a situation where you're holding a microphone and someone asked you to describe your own aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you have nine-second songs and eight-minute songs, and and the songs themselves can be open to any sort of... They seem to be based on whims almost. Mm-hmm. And one eight-second song can just be a hook or a chorus and move on to something else that has nothing resembling that. Right. That reveals a, a real adventurousness and open-mindedness, and, and that's... That's to be um, celebrated, but I also wonder how you describe what it is you do, and whether or not these this open endedness is is totally a, a something that it works all the time for you, or if it's ever like maybe I should rein this in. Like, do mm. you have these impulses? Anyway, I'm I may be drawing too many conclusions in my question, but how would you describe what it is you do and how you approach songwriting? Well, in terms of genre. That might not be answering your question at all. It might. But I'll start with just, um, I love to preface anything with free. So whatever anybody wants to call me, I would say it's that. It's free that. Free blank. So if people want to say that I'm R&B, then it's free R&B. People do want to say you're R&B. Yeah, they really want to say that I'm R&B. And that's totally because because of how I look. You think? Oh, definitely. Because I feel like I make like, I feel like I'm, I feel like most of my vocal inspirations are, are women I feel like a lot of the music that informs what I've put out is not the music that that journalists compare me to but that has changed recently that has changed what recently. are they comparing you to now it's always D'Angelo always see I was just walking <laughs> with two people and uh, one of them was like E. Jarvis what is that who is that what, is, what do they do and I said I said uh, this was the person in between me and my friend mm-hmm. I said well I kind of get like a Eric Cheneau Sandro Perry, home rock, home recording kind of thing. And then my friend quickly interjected, but it's R&B. And I said, yeah, it is. Like, do you, re- do you reject R&B? No, I don't reject anything. You're free, whatever. Yeah. Okay. I don't reject anything because I'm really informed by everything. Like, I really take in all music. I've never limited myself to what I'm taking in. So, in that same breath, I, I don't limit myself to what is coming out. When you say it can be free anything, I mean, on some level, that really puts the onus on the listener. Right. Is that I, what you want? Yeah, I guess it's more, it's more about what your perspective is. 
A yeah. guy mentioned two names there. I don't know if you were even familiar. Are you familiar? Sure, yes, absolutely. You I, know those guys? Eric Chanot, I love their work. And uh, Do you see? A, like When I say that, are you thinking, uh, that's not even close? No, no, I rarely disagree. Like I, like I say, <laughs> like I rarely disagree with what okay. anybody has to say. It's right. just that when things, when, when, when particular names are recycled, um, it's just funny to me. Well, you seem to be coming from uh, an indie rock freedom right. vibe. But like you say, because of how you look and some of the tones you employ and every once in a while there's like a Dilla beat or something. Right. It's just like a, there's like a synthetic beat that comes up and uh, within all the other stuff you've layered onto the song, it doesn't sound like anything else, but mm-hmm. we are c- conditioned on some level to draw comparisons and conclusions right. about where you're coming from. Yeah. It's fair. It is fair. It's fair. Yeah. Right. But it's not always apt or like. You don't mind confounding people or it doesn't even seem like your intent is to confound anyone. You're, con- you're, it seems to me you're just putting stuff out and however we receive it is up to, it's really up to us, isn't it? Right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's a great, that's, 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 that's exactly right. But the responsibility of, I think the reason we like, no, it's like this because we don't want that responsibility. <laughs> like we want to be able to relate whatever you're doing to what we know. Right. To make sense of it. Right. So when you reject any genre signifiers that are applied to your music, you're actually putting more pressure on us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. And, and, and as a listener, it like makes total sense to say, you know what? And I love this in terms of like a press release or whatever. I love the oh you might like this if you like this yeah the r-i-y-l recommended if you like right yeah that's a great tool to relate like um a a product to people it is that's not what the product but the product (laughs) is much much more than that um and is uh and 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 and, and is what it is so it's it's really a disservice you're really doing a disservice to any creative work to Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. To uh, box it in anywhere. You wouldn't R-I-Y-L your own music. If you ask me what I listen to, I can give you a list, but I wouldn't and all put it of, in that format. But all of that does inform what you make. Right. So what, what are you listening to? What do you listen to with regularity? I'm going to guess D'Angelo. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love D'Angelo. D'Angelo is um, cool. That is. Uh, he's probably in there. He's, I feel like. He, definitely. Oh, definitely. He's in there with Let a lot of. I have my thing. Your, oh, you have your. Yeah. No, I'm just curious. I never know what I'm listening to. You never know. But I mean, uh, 
you know, my top number one Beefheart, exploding music, you know. Captain Beefheart. Yeah, that's number one. Okay. Tied for number one, Joni Mitchell. Something in your... Sprawling narrative. Something within you appreciates deconstruction. Sure, yeah. And, And sort of not easy to swallow music. Yeah. Well, there are things I like about both challenging music and... Uh, easy listening, right? Know. I like I, I like it both, and I try to apply both of those states into kind of everything that I do. I want it to be both at the same time, for sure. There's a line on your what's is the song called "Time and Place"? Right. And what what do you say in that song? You don't say much. Two things that's here to stay: time and place. What you have a relationship with time that I find fascinating in terms of your trajectory and. I mean, we haven't even gotten to this, but like you yourself, you talk about freedom. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about time in 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 an oblique way, but like you've changed your name. Yeah, just it. A couple of times. Like you have, what's your, what's your born name? My born name is Jean-Sébastien Audet. My middle name is Eve. Uh, My mother's last name is, uh, well, her full full name is Judy Jarvis. And um, so I'm, I'm skipping over the whole middle here, but, um, the, the middle, reason the, the middle the middle of like all these uh, pseudonyms that I had uh, these bands that I would uh, create but kind of by week every week I would have a new band project name to I know of one off the top of my head but what are what are some of them I'm exaggerating obviously but um, <laughs> but when I was in Calgary I started with faux fur yeah moved on to I had a band called the you are minds and this is just me recording with the project name and uh, both of those projects developed into live bands um, with my own spin-offs I guess you could right say. So um, I was really just coming up with a project name anytime I wrote a song that did not suit what the last one was. And now I'm in a place where uh, that is never the case. Uh, every day, and here's how I can answer your question about my relationship to time. Uh, the reason why no other creative output is fulfilling to me and why uh, music is, is because of uh, time getting away from me and, and just... Um, my memory completely um, melting out of my ears. Like I have a horrible short-term memory. Uh, great long-term. I can remember important things really well. But um, I record to remember and to document the way that I feel and in, in any given time. You know, So it's not important for me to re-record a song or to demo a song. That's absurd to me because what happened on that day can only happen then and already did. So... Um, uh, it's it's important for me to record every day, and uh, not have time like uh, escape me. Uh, I I feel like such a tremendous discomfort when I'm confronted with lost time. Do do you view time as something of an oppositional force? I feel like sure, that, yeah, that's what it is. Definitely, like you feel like you get up. I don't know what time you get up. You get up in the morning. Let's say, do you get up? In the, are you a morning noon. person? You get up at noon. Yeah. How late are you up? Uh, till four. Okay, so normal. you wake up from you. You go to bed at four. Yeah. Were you working all night? Unless you're. That tour. would have been the case until um, this this most recent project actually, despite the vibe, was mostly recorded in daylight. It doesn't seem like a daylight record. No, it's not. Hmm. It's not. Hmm. But the act. But I was so consumed by the actual feelings that I'm, uh, if trying to evoke musically, sonically, hmm. in those times, and those were my experiences that. That that were that I was able to funnel into the the, the work, but uh, I, for that reason I wasn't able to to really record at night. Whereas in the past the night had always been a, 
a really um, uh, swinging time. <laughs> Every night was swinging for me in the studio. Right. Yeah. So you wake up with a purpose, though. Whenever you wake up, it seems to be around noon. Right. You have a kind of brunch, I assume, at some point. And then you just start working? Yeah. You need to... How many songs do you make a day? Um, I'll try and... I'm generalizing. I'll try and have a uh, a skeleton, at least one skeleton, but I can work on anywhere from... I, 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 I've i never worked on more than like four songs in a day. Okay. That's that's about how far it goes. That's about a maximum, four, right. four songs a day. Because even the album title here, the same but by different means, the same connects it to time. Right. The, the something is like... I, 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 I talked about this a little bit with other people recently, this notion of when you're in a creative realm or any realm where you're doing the same kind of thing, but it's slightly different yeah. each day. Right. Cause like in the, you could say, yeah, last week I woke up every day and I wrote two or three songs a day. The same thing. You did the right. same thing, but they were each different. Right. Psychologically, that's a weird thing. Yeah. And then how it relates to time in itself and, and how you carve out time to do that. Right. Is fascinating to me too. And I feel like you're wrestling with that a little bit. Yeah. In terms of how you define yourself and your name, and and even like the, I read something about how the from the previous record to this one, there's like a color coding that goes on with your moods. Well, yeah, and I was just talking about this yesterday. So it's the colors don't inform the music. It's really like a question of uh, what's in the air. Like I was just saying, um, you'll hear a lot of blue music this year. Um, we've heard a lot of blue music coming out of last year. What you is know, blue? So music? I'm speaking for myself. Well, what is blue music to you? I mean, that's just how I perceive it. This is not a commonly held perception, is it? That music is a color. I mean, I know that there's, um, you know, people with synesthesia who really are hallucinating these yeah, colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm. I'm trying to figure out if you're in that realm. No, I'm not. Okay. This is like a. Uh, these are real, these are. Um, these are just. Uh, um, I guess these are like. Uh, that's the most abstract way I can uh, define it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and then that umbrella is wide, you know, like there's a lot of blue music right. that I'm hearing. Right. And there are so many architects to that sound uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. But it's just a question of relevance. Like it's in the air. Um, whether you see it as blue or not is kind of irrelevant. You might not see it as blue. You might hear it as a different color. Right. But to me, that is relevant music. And so that's um, kind of what I'm forced. I'm, it's imposed on me to make music that's relevant, you know. Imposed by whom? Society, you know, I want to put out a product that is not in the past, that is not too, uh, out, I don't want it to be uh, alienating also to out in the future. I want it to be relevant, but I also want it to be timeless. Uh, and that's, the, that's what you get when you tap into, as an artist, that's what you get when you tap into what is in the air, is uh, timeless work. So what do you feel like you've tapped into that was in the air for this collection of songs? Um, I'm just curious. I don't know if I can... Um Articulate that. When's the record? Well, the record came out when? Uh, March 1st. So obviously when you uh, release a record with a label, the odds are pretty good that the record was done quite a long time before the public. At least it. six months. Yeah. At least six months. Yeah. So so you've had a lot of time to process this record mm-hmm. before we have. I wonder if that gives you a different perspective on uh, on it, on the, on the songs, perhaps the, any thematic intent that runs through it? Um, I, I definitely, um, <laughs> definitely lyrically. Uh, yes. I mean, you did make the distinction that it's a, when you're talking about time, it's a daytime 
recording yeah sounds like a nighttime record right that's a mood you're describing right. more than a more than a time of day almost right. so you've captured a nighttime mood throughout the record would you say yeah definitely i mean um there's there's plenty of brilliance on the album sonically i want it to be brilliant bright electric yeah but that doesn't take away from this uh night yeah, the night um, vibe. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. Well, nighttime is just fascinating. And when we're having this kind of vaguely existential question about or conversation about time and space as it relates to your music and, and you. And then I think of the nighttime as being the end of the day, the end mm-hmm. of time, a kind of time. Right. Is that really do you relate to that at all? Like the, for I mean sure, your yes. hours are kind of different than some of ours if you're up till four. Right. But um the nighttime is a calm, strange time, isn't very it? Very strange. Surreal. Very heavy. Yeah. Much more difficult to process, for me, emotions uh, at, at night. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, it's, it's like a, they, they wash over me in a way that I can totally uh, shrug off in the daytime or process quicker. So to, you well, Why do you suppose that is? Uh, I want to say it's just the moon. The moon itself, yeah. Just the, moon. the moon, the stars, yeah. Hmm. Um, not in a not in a uh, astrological sense, but in a physical sense, really. Well, it's a bit daunting. I feel like it's isn't pulling it? on me in a way that um, is much lighter in the daytime. In the daytime, it's it's a much lighter. Of course, these forces exist around the clock, but um, to maintain in the daytime is much more of a breeze. Well, but of the two of the two times mm-hmm. of the day, the day and the night. What I'm picking up on on your record is a lot of enigmatic. There, there are some enigmatic aspects. There's some mysterious aspects. I think of the night the same way. Right. Like when I'm going out to put the trash cans out, when I've forgotten to do it, when I should have done it, and it's midnight or it's one in the morning or whatever it is. I don't normally forget that. I don't. Th- I don't wake up in bed being like, ah, oh, I forgot to put the trash. I, right. I don't want to mischaracterize. I don't want to lie to you. <laughs> I usually we get the trash out in a timely manner. Is right. what I'm saying. We're responsible parents. <laughs> and people but there is a point when i'm walking out yeah and it's nighttime and it feels still and dangerous right whereas there's way more hustle and but there's way more chance something bad's going to happen to me in the day right and so i wonder <laughs> if you grapple with any of that on some of these songs or in your process in your practice of being because there's a solitary aspect to the record and there's a solitary aspect to recording at night i assume yeah the world's asleep right you can't order a pizza you can't go you likely can't talk to anyone right is that informing what you're talking about like the kind of alienation right you say you don't want other people to be alienated but are you writing from a place of isolation on some level uh definitely yeah i'm like you i'm always alone in the studio uh i did record the drums on the album in a studio of a friend's mm-hmm. i played them myself but i didn't have the the, the space to to do that in the where the rest of the record was made, where Which I live. Which is at your house, yeah. But um, otherwise, yeah, I'm always isolated when I'm recording. And uh, so I think that makes for a piece of work that is easy, that is best digested alone. I think it's a difficult album to listen to with other people around. Even if it's on headphones and there's other people in the room, I feel like it's difficult to digest that way. You're not an antisocial person, are you? No, I was just talking about how I am very social. I struggle a lot with socializing, but I... But not, but not in terms of relating or in terms of um, getting down. Like I love to socialize, but I struggle with uh, the implications and the expectations and the 
the uh, maintenance of uh, relationships and all that. Sure. You like people? Uh, sure, yeah. Some days, no, but it's maybe about once every month that I don't like people. Here's what I've learned about you so far. Homebody. Yeah. Doesn't like to tour. Right. Uh, stubborn. Right. Impatient. These are qualities that suggest someone who wants to do things on their own terms. Oh, yeah, sure. On their own. Right. That's fascinating in itself. And then you write, a, you write music that's also by yourself mm. that you just said should be listened to and processed <laughs> by oneself. Yeah. Maybe without other people around. Yeah, well, I, something's going on there. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge individualist. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I think that there's a lot of strength, energy, power there. There's a lot when, when, when people come together, of course, it goes without saying. We value, I, I'm not saying you don't value people. You've mm -hmm. talked about Chris Dad. You've talked about the people in Calgary that set up these all ages venues. Right. You clearly believe in people. Sure, I'm not trying yeah. to paint you as, as some sort of misanthrope or Larry <laughs> David type character or whatever you will. But, but I feel like you are driven by yourself. Oh yeah. Like, you know, that the only person that's going to drive you forward and, and help you achieve the, it's not going to be the theory. It's not going to be anything else. You want to get to the goal. Right. And I think you believe you have a self belief that propels all of that. Sure. Yeah. There's a fire that has always been going. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Have I cracked the code? Definitely. Yeah. You've got, you hit the nail on the head. I got it. It's all done. We're, that we're, is. Yeah. And these, <laughs> and these are, um, these are all not neither negative or positive traits. I use a lot of words to describe myself that I think have negative connotations, but, uh, yeah. these can all be positive things in, uh, in the right context with, yeah. the, with, with understanding people around you. Musicians and, and other people who freeze, uh, emotions and thoughts in place and then eventually distribute them to the world. I asked you about whether you've processed the record right. uh, on some level. When you think about these songs, have you learned something about yourself that has profoundly shifted you in some way in terms of what you've expressed here? No, but I'm, I'm very, I mean, yes, but I'm, uh, but all I can say about that is that I'm very compelled to react to it, which means that uh, I cannot wait to react to this last uh, record that I just put out. React meaning make another one. Yeah. In almost in a response to yourself. Right. Because now, um, are you feeling differently? Thinking differently? Well, you asked me if I feel like I want to rein something, if I want to rein anything in earlier. And, um, I did say that. Yeah. I don't feel like I, um, want to, I want to be unhinged. I want to be swirling tumbling i love to i love a sound that's tumbling down towards something um and all right no i these are big questions and i and i just it's all leading to kind of what's coming up next for yeah. you because you've made this very acclaimed statement your records have been acclaimed by critics and by fans alike and it doesn't seem like you need to change anything per se well, nothing will change. I mean, this this album title you can I'm um, I'm sure you can uh, apply to my career. It'll always be the same, um, but I will also always be reacting to myself and um, destabilizing right. uh, what is uh, destabilizing things uh, from an from from the angle uh, of expectation and from the angle of getting comfortable for me. So um, I uh, I look forward to doing that and. Uh, 
that's all I can say about what's what's next. <laughs> you, have you started? I haven't. No, I okay. don't have a studio anymore. I don't live in, a, in my studio anymore. Oh, you lost? You, you um, moved? Yeah, I moved and I'm like uh, not stable right now. Oh. So like in that sense. So I need to figure that out. And then once I do, I think I'll record an album faster than I ever have. Um, the, are the ideas sort of percolating? Yeah, yeah. Because of all this touring, like I said, it's just, it's, it's absurd. The, 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 uh, the backup. Are you writing in the moment when you're recording? Yes. Yeah, I never write. You just, whatever you say, kind of, and then you maybe revisit it. Yeah. I never write. Like, any bed of a song that sounds like it has a structure that I'm following yeah. is, is improv It's just a good take of, uh, that I was able to, it's like, a, it's like, um, I was, I, it's like, I'm always, whenever I, whenever, anyway, whenever I have a song that has sections, I was lucky enough to uh, be taken there. It's not something that I structured. I'm, I'm hearing the Chris Dadge in you, <laughs> in trusting that moment. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You're, you're someone who really trusts the moment. Oh, yeah. So did, did, when you, you're going to, as we're speaking right now, you're going to play a show in Guelph for Kazoo Fest, and we're all looking forward to that. But in general, are your shows somewhat, imp- not improvised, do the songs shift radically from what we've become familiar with on your records to what you bring to the to the live show? Yeah, I think that the uh, the instrumentation uh, is not so radically different. In fact, I think it is in a more subdued way, in a more condensed way. It is it is a, a, an accurate representation of the whole sonic palette of yeah. the project. Yeah. While it while a lot of elements obviously have been not been incorporated to the live well, show that what I'm is doing, your configuration for today's show for example i've got an organ a keyboard and a guitar and a sampler and, uh, and you're doing everything yourself you're everything doing myself doing? i'm solo okay and singing of course yeah. is that what you always do that is what i've done since this current name change since this eve jarvis uh thing i've been performing solo i haven't had a band yet in this configuration. I, I, I look forward to collaborating with people live because I feel like that's conversation that I'm always eager to be having. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the stage calls for that conversation out of music for sure. But for the time being, as I make my my splash with this project, I am more I think it's more appropriate for me to be alone. Uh, I don't want anybody representing me right now. But I'm like I said, I'm eager to to have those conversations. But you do like people. Sure. We're not, uh, we're, not, we're not saying you don't like people. No, no. You love people. I love people, for people, sure. People are great. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> people are beautiful. I don't, even, uh, I don't even want to influence anybody. I love people so much. Yes, I hope true. everybody is themselves and doesn't uh, even uh, 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 waver from that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you if they want to follow your exploits on the internet or I don't know if you have a, a pop-up shop somewhere or, you know, a company, an offshore's company, you know, something <laughs> that where people can go visit, you know, a physical, where, where, where can people learn more about you? Well, I, the social media that I myself use because I'm not on the, the Twitter or the Facebook, I use Instagram myself. And, um, if you get in touch with me there, like through a message or, Anything you're, you're hearing from me, whereas otherwise it might not be me. Um, but are the, the, and you can find what I'm up to there. Instagram. Are there Facebook um, and Twitter accounts subscribed to you? There are. Yeah. Who's managing those? My manager. Oh, yeah. your manager. Or like maybe Colleen, who's great from Flemish Eye. Okay. I think might throw out like a show announcement or some something. Right. Because I'm I'm very 
like I'm so not tapped into the, to those uh, that pace. Like sure. I never. It's not my instinct. It doesn't seem you don't seem very self promotional. No, but um, what was I gonna say? Otherwise, I also have a website which I don't even I don't even know, and I never talk about it because I didn't know. But I think evejarvis.com is a website. You don't know about your own website? No, because of like because I'm, I'm working with these beautiful people. these nice okay. people. Okay. And they do you uh, have the logins and passwords? Like if something goes south and you don't know how to get into your own website, <laughs> that's going to be trouble. I've I have deleted tweets and Instagram posts before by other people that I didn't from like the 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 team the team that oh, I didn't like. Yeah. They, so uh, why don't you just take that stuff over? Um, I can't imagine someone with an independent streak like yours giving up those things. Right. Well, yeah, it's important for me to like. Um, Rep, like be represented the way that I want to be, but at the same time, I kind of am. I've kind of abandoned social media. Like it's bullshit. I'm yeah. Sorry if I don't know. If no, I can swear. you can swear. It's. it's oh, too late. I would have been swearing so much more if I knew. What? Why did uh, you think you couldn't swear? It's a podcast. It's a wild west. You word. Can, yeah. I forgot. Can say whatever you want. But we're wrapping up here, so don't don't just go out in a hail of curses. Why would you do that to everyone? Anyway, yeah. No, I understand. It's a it's a bear. It's a terrible. I think it's ultimately all bad. Connects yeah. us, disconnects us more than we've ever. Anyway. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but you, but I, I want people to know that I'm like a, I'm available and like a, I, I would love to talk and and I love, um, I love, I love talking through those mediums still because it is like you're saying it's a great way to connect and then but then I, it's just not part of my life like it's not part of my life. You but, seem like a very approachable and thoughtful person. Oh well, likewise. Oh well, thanks. because this is, this is so comfortable and this is, uh, I'm pretty sure the only time we've. Had a conversation. Yeah, I don't think you and I have spoken before this, right. as far as I know. Yeah. Well, I, I do thank you for this time, and I appreciate you being on, on this show. If there's one song from the uh, latest record or anything else that you want to go out on that you, you know, that's in within your power yeah. to, <laughs> to, to say is okay, what would you choose? I think at this time, my pick on the album that I put out is Out of the Blue, Into Both Hands. Okay, why is that? Uh, I think it's the most representative of the project as a whole. Mm. It cycles through these vignettes that I think are present on the rest of the record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is Out of the Blue, Into Both Hands by Eve Jarvis from uh, the new record, The Same, but by different means. Eve, this was really fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I asked you some... I hope I didn't grill you. Not at all, no. I hope you enjoyed it, and I, I wish you the best of luck with everything. Well, I appreciate your time so much, and uh, I appreciate your thoughtful questions and insights and uh, considerations.
Thank you very much to Eve Jarvis for being on this, the 488th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and YouTube, Spotify, Audioboom, all sorts of things that you listen to podcasts on. It's on all of those things. However, if you're looking for a particular episode of the show and you can't find it on any of those things, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me at vishkana. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use the instrumental version of The Rest is Yet to Come to end this show each week. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode subscribing to the podcast, telling your friends to do some of those things as well. Check out the show. That helps spread the word about it. And that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.